Hey folks, Tony Russo here with a couple quick show notes. Um, show note number one, I tried to get a little fancy with the audio. It didn't work out as well as I had hoped. So there may be some inconsistencies in the recording. I apologize, but it's, it's not awful. It's just, it's just not the quality sound you guys are used to. Second, I forgot to say, if you send us words in love, we will send you haikus and limericks. Just email to podcast at saltwatermedia.com. And um, we'll get them back out. I know that there are several of you waiting for postcards. You should have them at the end of this week. I really hope. All right. Thanks. And uh, enjoy the show. We put Jim to death, Martin said. Segregation was still a firm reality at that time. So his statement didn't mean much to us. But clearly, Martin could foresee the death of that system. And in announcing its death before segregation was abolished, I am sure it has no longer had any power over him. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend David Burdell, a retired United Methodist minister, historian, genealogist, and author. David was born and raised in Berlin, Maryland, and entered Morgan College in Baltimore, Maryland when he was just 16 years old. When he enrolled in the School of Theology at Boston University in 1952, David became friends with a young man from Georgia by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. David's ministry took him from Maryland to Pennsylvania to New Jersey, and he has since retired in the town where he once started out. David has published two nonfiction works. The first book, Men of Color to Arms, was co-authored with Dr. Clara Small in 2010. That volume documents the historical contributions made by African-American soldiers, manumitted slaves, and freed blacks from the Lower Eastern Shore of Maryland in the Civil War. Then, in 2014, he and his wife Jane, who you might remember from a previous podcast, published a collection of genealogy for the Facet, Waters, and Burdell families. So, welcome to the podcast, David. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we're, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're here with us today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that I had kind of straight off um, was where you're, you're, you were a native son right here to Maryland, right? Yes, right here in Berlin. One of the things about your bio that I, when I saw you went to Morgan College at 16. Yes. Now, was that typical at that time? Oh, uh, well, in Berlin, black. Schools would not go 12 years, yes, and another year, another year. The schools of all of Worcester County for blacks was was not as well gone. Not not well as gone, but... Didn't go as high. Right. So your only option then was to go to college in Baltimore at a certain point. And the the college knew that. And they they knew because it it was all throughout the Maryland that... But it was that was the policy. And so, after you went to Morgan uh, Morgan College, you ended up at um, the School of Theology at Boston University. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was really I was really sort of struck and amazed by the friendship that you struck up there. I met Dr. King, right, in my first year in Boston University. It wasn't any special occasion. It was probably just he's sitting at the lunch table. Uh, in the place where we restaurants would go, Martin was a 
unusual doctoral candidate because it wasn't usual for a single male student to stay in an apartment rather than a dormitory. And he has he had a new Chevrolet car, and he didn't have to work, and yet he had sufficient funds for tuition, clothing, dating, and he was usually well-dressed. However, he was not extravagant, nor did he display any other superior attitudes. He was just much liked by his colleagues. One of the important things that Martin did was to form a group known as the Dialectical Society, which consisted of African-American graduate students, and we met to discuss the papers we had prepared. After the discussion, we all had a meal together and discussed current events, and it was during one of these meal discussions and Martin <laughs> announced... Well, boys, I had a big funeral last weekend. We buried Jim. And we said, who? Jim who? Jim Crow, Martin replied. (laughs) We all laughed when we realized that he was using the slang name for segregation. We put Jim to death, Martin said. Segregation was still a firm reality at that time, so his statement didn't mean much to us. But clearly, Martin could foresee the death of that system, and in announcing its death before segregation was abolished, I am sure it has no longer had any power over him, and it probably was the forerunner to the civil rights movement which Martin started. I love that story. I just want to kind of go back for a second. So you guys are all just sitting around, and he says, so I buried Jim last weekend. Yeah. And you guys are like, Jim Jim who? Yeah. And then he says, Jim Crow. And, I mean, that sounds like he had sort of this lovely sense of humor. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, so my generation not knowing Martin yeah. Luther King, so, I mean, yeah. you knew him. You know, he was a person that, a historical yes. figure we studied. Yes. We always see this sort of, these serious photos and mm-hmm. we see this sort of series but you saw a very um you he was a friend you saw the sense of humor you saw smiles and 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 all sorts of things and in, into him oh yeah although he was a student he was a very visible part of boston's african-american community he was eager to preach in their churches and he was known to the barber shops and even hung out on street corners he was got like you know he was out of there Really? really? Yeah. So, in- and still at the same time, you know, he was doing a, 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 a for a PhD degree. Yeah. So, in 1953, you could just hang out with Martin Luther King in a in the barber shop or roll down the street. Well, I didn't do too much going <laughs> out. He was he was doing that. So you were you and Martin Luther King were at the School of Theology. That's correct. And then when you graduated, your commencement speaker was the speaker at our graduation was Senator John F. Kennedy. When Kennedy became our president, he and Martin had several meetings in efforts to eliminate the segregation laws of the nation. Do you know if that was the first time that they met, or do you think it was coincidence? I think and then it they was have... the first time that it was met, but this was just the time of when we both were graduating. Right. He got his doctorate, and I got a, my master's. Master's in theology. Yeah. yeah. 
that is such an incredible like slice of time in history. Yeah. I'm just sort of awestruck by that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, just just oh, really yeah. just real quick. I wanted to ask just for a second about about your about your own struggles with your studies because you were saying that like you didn't go out. Did you were you were you were a hard working student? Oh, no. no, just that he was just him. I would be be doing my work. Uh, part of it is he lived right into the city. I was in a dormitory, and it was in another part of the whole city. Now, I would go there because I had to get my, my barber. Uh, <laughs> but what was the process? Because Boston is very different from Berlin. Oh, yes. So, <laughs> so what was the process like there trying to, trying to focus in a, in a bigger city then? I, well, I hadn't been in Baltimore right, before, Morgan. so I mean, I had by that time I had had your urban, <laughs> <laughs> the urban uh, place. Places. Right. So after you graduated, after hearing John F. Kennedy yeah. give that commencement speech and and all that, you and Martin Luther King uh, that you parted ways, and he went uh, to Alabama. And then, where did your travels take you? I came back to Maryland. Okay. Because I was a pastor of the church in uh, Crisfield. Oh, okay. I stayed there only for two years. Okay. But uh, so was it that little? Ch- is the church in Crisfield still there? Yes. Yes. What was the name of that church? Shiloh Methodist Church. What was it like to be? Because you you were still a kid then, right? Were you in twenty? Right. Twenty-three. Uh, no, sure, it was twenty-three. <laughs> How, how did they take to you as a kid coming in? As oh, yes. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> they do. But they were. it was one of the most I, – I was glad to be there. Right. Yes. It's, it's just cool. I just, I just imagine you, like, young and like, I'm, I'm here to help. And yeah. they're like, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, we got the young guy coming in telling us what to do. So then – so you said you were in Maryland for two years. Yes. And then your ministry took you – To uh, Philadelphia. And the name to the church was Emmanuel Methodist Church. And it was a church that uh, was just beginning. Uh, they were only there for three years. And the other ministry minister uh, wasn't able to deal with it. And so one of the district superintendents asked me, uh, could I do the work? And that's the last time that I worked at a local church. You and Martin sort of went separate ways, but then I would imagine that you were watching the news as he was coming forward as a civil rights leader. And do you remember the last time that you saw him? He came to, I, uh, I was working with the ministers interdenominational from Philadelphia and we asked him to come to Philadelphia so that he could get his money to do the work that he did. Right. And uh, so I was the person who sort of managed the whole, right. the whole thing because I knew who he was well. And I thought that, well, my gosh, uh, well, he's all, all, all up there, there now. But he came in and this, we, just, you know, we just had a great time. Gosh, so you're thinking, you know, we're going to have this moment. And then he, he's risen yeah, in, yeah. in the nation's conscience, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, this man yeah, is yeah. emerging. Yeah. And then... To think that he was your old college buddy that you had dinners with and hanging out with. That's and right. now, and then you see each other again, and instantly there's yeah. just, he hugs you, and it's just like That's good. this yeah. incredible moment yeah. for you. And he good, had a good pot of money to, to, to go to his work. It was great. So your group was sort of kind of pulling money together to, to help him advance. To help him in his work. And, uh, and when was the last time you saw him? 
Uh, in April 1968, I was attending a work-related meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, when I heard the announcement that Martin had been killed in Memphis. Well, I tried to stay at that meeting, but finally decided I just had to go home. The next morning, as I walked to my plane in the Atlanta airport, a plane from Memphis arrived on the tarmac and unloaded a casket that was being wheeled into the airport, and it was Martin's casket. And it was very heartbreaking to see, but at least I was able to say goodbye to this very special person. But would you say that his work um, and that his friendship um, inspired you to continue to do work within your community? Yes, 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 yes. You got to be going. I had to go, and and you know, it was a, it was a most, okay. it was an awful time Absolutely. for Obama. But uh, but we had to go and go and go. Absolutely, that, that, and, that's that's the that's the movement right. to keep going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you said that you were done preaching in Philadelphia, what did you do after that? How was you? How did your ministry change? I was approached by the director of the Audiovisual Resources Department of the Board of Global Ministries, who asked if I would be interested in a position in his department. I interviewed, and in 1964, began work as a director and later as an associate for audiovisual resources until 1972. Next, I worked in the Division of Education and Cultivation, also in the Board of Global Ministries. Then I moved from the Methodist Board to the National Council of Churches, and I then became the Director of Intermedia. And that had, and I had the responsibility for assisting overseas agencies and churches in their communication and adult education ministries, which meant that I just traveled all over the world. So after you retired, you sort of picked up your pen um, and sort of headed in towards, you know, being into in doing some writing. And several years ago, you and Dr. Clara Small began documenting and cataloging the biographical data on African-American soldiers from the eastern shore of Maryland, I believe specifically the Worcester County area, I think. Was it Worcester County? And Somerset. And Somerset County, mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, and the, those were the, the soldiers that fought in the Civil War at that time. Mm-hmm. And could you tell us a little bit about why that project grabbed your attention? Well, let me share some background information because... I learned an uncle, Isaiah Fassett, who served in the Civil War and who lived to be uh, 103 years old. When he was 100 years old, the Berlin community celebrated his birthday, and I was 13. Much later on, I began to do research on my uncle and learned that he, along with other African-American slaves, did not volunteer to serve in the Union Army, but were sold by their owners for $300 per slave and had no choice but to serve in the Army. As I continued my research, I discovered that there were 83 African-Americans from Worcester County who served in the Army, and I quickly learned that I needed some help to continue my research. That is fantastic, and I've seen uh, men of color to arms, and that is, it is a lot 
of work. That that was an intense amount of research that that you and Clara did yeah. for for that. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of research for about ten years. Ten years. I worked on Worcester County and Clara worked on Somerset County. We used the roster of Maryland volunteers, muster rolls, bounty rolls, and the 1890 census in the Maryland State Archives in Annapolis, as well as the Worcester County and the Somerset County land records. And that was the time we was all going in Baltimore and all of these places. How did you choose Morgan over, like, UMES or... Okay, you know what? Go back. Uh, if I did not go to Morgan, I would have to go to another uh, school in Philadelphia or New York. You, I couldn't, you couldn't do anything. Yes, I, I, I had a choice about UMES and went to Morgan, and I, I, I took Morgan. Better the city than down in That's Somerset right. County. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well. do not blame you at all. <laughs> Yeah, if I had a choice, I'd probably, you know, Princess Anne or get out of town. I knew that it was a little higher, better school. I'm just let let's Morgan. Yeah. Then. So you and your wife Jane, uh, who's who's here with us, tirelessly researched the genealogy of the Waters, the Facet, and the Bradal families. Can you share with us uh, what inspired you to do that uh, genealogy, that research? Well, my inspiration came after the death of both of my parents in 1989 when I discovered a trunk on the front porch of my home full of photographs, articles, bulletins, letters, and all other materials. And a couple of years later, I started to actually examine all these information information and began to get other documents about my families like census records and funeral bulletins and letters and so on as well as having interviews with family members and that's how I started this research got interrupted by the research that Clara Small and I started regarding the African-American soldiers in the Civil War but when that book was completed (laughs) my wife and I continued with the family research and so what's up next? Are you, are you working on another book? Are you adding to your other research? How is your research going today? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's making the I sign of, I'm done. <laughs> he looks no. like he just had no. a half a turkey. No, no, no. That's, that's life. So when you were 13 years old, you yeah. attended the 100th birthday celebration for Isaiah Fassett. Yes. And he was one of the Civil War soldiers because he appears in both Men of Color to Arms as well as your uh, family genealogy. So I can see where, you know, the research from one kind of bleeds into the other for you on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that certainly was a labor of love for. for, And and I know, Jane, I know you worked on on that project as well. Yes, I did. Um, I worked with David to get the information and also typed it all up. And it was very interesting. One of the things that I discovered about um, African-American families going all the way back to, what, 1805 or something like that, and then coming forward, uh, and, and who were living in this area, you, you realize that those families were in isolated communities. You, you see, you know, the results of that. You see cousins marrying cousins and, you know, not, not a, a wrong mingling of families, but, but you realize that, you know, there was no transportation, there no cars, you know, you, you were where you were. And so you, you just get a picture of 
um, I'll say stability in a way, but that was just because they couldn't move. And and you get a very good idea of how the families were and lived and knew each other and so on and so forth. It's just very interesting. And I remember, I I recall from working on the genealogy novel or the genial the book of genealogy mm. there was a story of a woman who was in your family and she went to the hospital for a surgery or she went she was ill and then she went yes. to the hospital yeah. and you know came out of the hospital from the surgery and then later in life she was trying to have children and could not have children she was unable to get pregnant and kept trying and trying yeah. and then in her 60s later found out that she had been sterilized yeah. um, mm-hmm. at that young age in that very early surgery, completely without her consent, right. completely without her knowledge, and cost her a future of children and mm-hmm. her, a family of her own. And that was something that was commonly done. Yes, it um, was. And, you know, not brought into the daylight. But I was, in addition to the the notion of slavery and people being sold, which is unimaginable, but then to also have that component in the 20th century, that layer to me was shocking. I did not know about that. I, and I was, I was just, it was a really tough moment. And so, you know, and I remember when we were working on that, it was just a very... Mm staggering yeah. moment. Well, it, it was. And um, as, as you mentioned, um, David and I and the rest of the family didn't find out until uh, much later. It, it was his aunt Elaine, uh, much later in her life. But it was something, I'm guessing, like in the 1920s, something like that, that was extremely common with African-American women, and they were never told. And it was done by whites to stop african-american women from reproducing yeah i it, i i was completely blown yeah. away by that yes. and it was and so was hard. yeah your aunt yeah and that, mm-hmm. that was she so heartbreaking at, uh, salisbury high school oh fam- yeah. right and graduated from morgan <laughs> <laughs> another enough fellow alum right yeah. well and then she worked for the naacp right for the day. yes uh, yes yes gotcha yeah wow. there is one more thing about i, I just about the Bridells, the Facets, and the Waters, all of David's relatives. Um, they're the earliest history, and Stephen Waters was born a free man in 1770, so that's how far back we've been able to go. Um, his wife, Lovey, was a mulatto, so kind of, there was some intermingling of marriages then, um, and she, but she was a slave. Uh, and we know that Stephen worked hard, apparently, to very hard to free her and other slaves in the community, but that couldn't happen until the slave owner died. Then Andrew Fassett, the first Fassett that we can find, he was born in 1811, and Joshua Bridell, the first Bridell that we could find, was born in 1810. So we haven't been able to go further than that, but that seems to be interesting. And then I have one other thing that is interesting about the family. And I would say this particularly uh, in light of the upcoming general election. <laughs> and um, I just want to share that Randall Pinkett, of whom you may have heard, I don't know, but he is in the Facet family. And he received national fame as a winner on the Donald Trump show, The Apprentice. An article about the event appeared in the Philadelphia Philadelphia Tribune, and it included the following statement from Randall. 
which I think is a very good statement. I grew up as a U.S. citizen where they tried to define me as a black man who would be an athlete or a criminal or an entertainer, but not a businessman. I never allowed those messages to limit my possibilities. And currently, Randall is the president and CEO of BTC Partners, which is a multi-million dollar consulting firm working with community-based organizations. And I think David would agree with this, but there are many other very successful members in his family. Absolutely. And I would certainly count you among one of my favorites of that. <laughs> easily, you're easily in the top ten. Yeah, you're easily my, my, in, my, in my top ten in your family. So okay, <laughs> That's <right>. good. <laughs> All right, Stephanie. Well, this is the part of the show where you thank the guests. All right. Well, David, thank you so much for being here and sharing okay. your memories and, and yeah. talking about your work. And um, it was lovely. Thank you. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Want to hear more? Visit www.saltwatermedia.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. Want other people to hear more? Give us a great review there. Tell your story.